Never in my wildest dream would I think that I'd be standing before you and uh, to be able to share in the main service. Um, once you hear my story in the next 30 minutes, you understand why I said what I said. Um, before I start, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Vincent and all the pastors for the trust and the confidence that I will not mess up, that I will not say something silly, um, that will defile the stage and the pulpit. Uh, it's a privilege to have known Pastor Vincent and all the pastors in my time in GT. I want to say something about cell before I carry on. I will not be the person I am without the cell group. The church has truly transformed my life from upside down to right side up. I've become a better son. Papa, good morning. I've not said good morning to you yet. That's my dad there. A better husband, a better father, a better friend, and a better leader in the workplace. Cell has provided me role models of married couples, son, father, and brethren. I feel safe in Cell because I'm not criticized, I'm not judged. I don't feel inadequate or useless. Instead, I feel encouraged, loved, supported, trusted, and significant. I'm given the opportunity to contribute and bless. It was actually... Being in cell has helped me to be where I am today. It has helped me in the corporate world. It has established my beliefs, faith, and values in the Lord in a very grayish world and a complicated world. As a cell leader, I was being honed in leadership, allowing me to be a young leader in the workplace. I was promoted every two years throughout my career. I went through seven organizations, six banks, and through that journey, I learned to be a Christian father because I was not born in a Christian family. So I had to relearn a lot of things and unlearn a lot of things and to learn to lead as the head of the home, to be a better son to my parents particularly. Numerous uncles and aunties in cell have been a great role model to the three children, Amber being 19, Emma 18, and Ian 13. Um, they wouldn't be just who they are just because of dad and mum and even an extended family. Some members have been very generous with their gifts on birthday parties and when they're traveling, always checking on them as they grow. It is extended family they've never had and then blessed to be part of. My life is about the people that have invested in me, helped and supported me to be who I am. Many people have touched my lives and I know they'll continue to touch my lives. And therefore, I know my life is meant to serve others because of what I've received. My experience through the cell ministry has seen lives change and transform. The story of Casey, Peggy, and family is one of the many amazing transformation work of Father God. Um, Casey and Peggy, from two years ago to where you are, it's a miracle of the Lord. And when you honor God, and when you honor God with such a testimony, God will use you. And you honour God without shame. In fact, you honour God with confidence. In cell, we go through births, growing pains, working on breakthroughs of all kinds, relationship challenges, weddings, funerals, community blessing project missions, and many other life experiences. Pastor, we thank you for your key role in leading and supporting the cell structure. And let me be the representative of the brothers and sisters this morning to appreciate and thank all of you. 
for being so central to the cell group. And now I'm going to start to share with you a few stories of my life. When I was seven years old, I was sent by my parents to study in Singapore. At that time, it was quite popular. Many believed that the Singapore education had a right mix of English and Mandarin. And that's why at AGM, I could use a little bit of Mandarin because of that. And I was entrusted into the hands of an extended relative of the family, believing that this person would take care of me through my years in Singapore. However, upon arrival, very shortly, I began to be abused physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I'll just share with you what kind of abuse I'm talking about. She would make me kneel before her altar. She was a Taoist, and she would have a couple altars in the, in the rented room in Chinatown on the second floor of her shop house. And I would kneel in front of the altar. Sometimes I start at 8 o'clock, and I'll finish at 12. Sometimes I start at 9, I finish at 2 or 3. It's very common. In one week, I'll do it a couple of times, maybe three times, I cannot remember. But it was very frequent. And when she bathed me, because I was very young, and my mom said, please take care of him. I don't know um, how, he, how he is going to be when he bathes. Please bathe him. And when she bathes me, she makes me eat soap, and she pressed my head into the water until I couldn't breathe. Um, quite often, I get beating. I get beating on the hands. I get beating on the legs. And I'll go to school, and I get very embarrassed. And my teacher will ask, what is this all about? I just say that, well, I got beaten. I got beaten by my relative. And it came, became so bad that my teacher told my relative that if you don't stop it, we'll report you to the police. And one of the last couple of things that she did to me was that she would like to pull me from the second floor and go down to the five-foot way and make sure I get a really good beating in the public. Because she said, I want people to see how naughty boys should be treated. So I went through that from seven years old to when I was primary four, ten years old. It was like that. And there came a time where she was even more <laughs> angrier than me. She made me kneel on fresh durian husk where the thorns are sharp and I have to kneel until the thorns will bend. And I was some bleeding on my knees. So don't play basketball and football with me. My knees are pretty strong. The last straw was this. Throughout this, my parents did not know that I was going through this because she warned me, if ever you tell your parents when you go back to Malaysia for holiday, I'll give, I'll give it back to you even worse. But what happened one day was she was so angry and she was playing mahjong and she decided to take a matchstick and burn my lip. And therefore, it was really swollen. And one of the mahjong players had enough and caught my mum. And my mum and dad immediately, literally immediately, came to Singapore, took me out of the house. It was difficult very difficult because it was a very close relative. And we went through a challenging time. What was the end product? As I look back, the abuse was bad, but the outcome of the abuse was worse. I was full of hatred, full of bitterness, full of resentment, full of hurts, very deep hurts. No one in the household could speak about this person in front of me, including my parents. The moment the name come out, I would bang the table, slam doors, and this was going all the way into my college time and young adulthood time. And such was that, um, such was the impact of the hurt on me. And the worst thing was that I harbored that unforgiveness. I kept telling myself, I will not forgive this person because there was no way that I could ever forgive this person. However, God is God. 
And God is an amazing God. In 1998, life became very tough for me. I was just a deputy manager in a bank. Financial crisis came. I was working till 12 midnight. I did not have a good boss because I was not wearing skirts. I was only one of the two men that was wearing pants. Um, he threw files at me, um, used profanity, and purposely would give me work on Friday night, just make sure that I had to work through the weekend. I just got married one year you know, in 1997, and we were living with my parents. The adjustment was tougher than I expected. I had imagined that we would be a happy family, but it wasn't that easy. And I remembered this. You see, when I was 14 years old, after I was taken out from the extended relative home, I was placed in a boarding school. And it was a Christian missionary boarding school in Singapore. And I remember going to church and just singing songs and worshipping. And I accepted the Lord at 14 years old. But I backslided after that when I came back to Malaysia because I did not know anyone. And I continued to backslide even as I furthered my studies in the States. But there was this colleague, he told me this. Ray told me this. Donald, if ever one day you want to go back to the church, there's this church called Glad Tidings. It's a long jalan gasing where Ipoca Ifan is. And I've never forgotten that. And I decided in May 1998 when it got so bad, that I decided to walk into Jalan Gasing Church of Glad Tidings on my own. God is so amazing. I still remember the main gate was here. I parked the car on the main road because I just did not know what to expect. And when I just crossed the line to the main gate, and a friend of my mom wind down the window of the car, she was just driving in, and that was Sister Mayab, and she said, Donald, you are here. I said, hi, auntie. And she brought me in and set me at the back with a lot of uncles and aunties. I was only 26 years old. And I said, wow, I don't think I'm going to come to an old church. And then I started to see younger people up front, and I started to see um, um, the worship team, and I realized um, it wasn't an old church. I didn't mean to say that there's no place for uncle and aunties, but at that time, if you knew how I felt, I needed someone I could relate to. I filled out the visitor form and I had a beautiful mug. Till today, the mug sits at home. It has been cracked by someone. I think my PA in the bank was washing and uh, uh, it cracked it, but I put it in the display cabinet today because I'll never forget what it was written on the mug. Love God, love people. And I had a call. I filled out the visitor form. I had a call the following week when I was walking in Pasar Malam and Kenneth, the cell leader, called me. And I decided to go to sell. I was desperate to find a certain level of just joy and purpose in life. And at that point, it was very lacking. I went to the cell. I'd never been to sell, even though I was safe at 14 years old. I never had a chance to really go to a cell group. And I could see laughter. When I say see, because I couldn't feel, I could only see. I could see joy. I could see openness. I could see people worshipping God. And I said, this is very real. And I say to myself, I want what they have and I hope that this is sincere and genuine, which it was. And that began an amazing journey of slowly going through the inner healing and deliverance. The amazing news was this. My wife at that time, Veron in front here, had not known the Lord. And a few months later, she said, I want to come to sell because I don't know what's happening, but you are not as 
emotional as you used to be. You seem to be happy what you are doing. And in September 1998, she came to know the Lord. And we both came on, on, uh, in the old Jang Gasing in November 14, 1998 and got ourselves water baptized. In the same year, a visiting speaker came and I was sitting at a balcony. So all these years, sorry, all these months in the year of 1998, I was only sitting in the balcony. I couldn't find myself to even go up front. And this pastor say, today there are some people that are hurting really badly in the congregation. And I want you to come and to forgive the people that have hurt you. I will pray for you because there is healing in the Lord. And because I was so desperate, I ran out front and I was slain. Before that, I used to laugh at people who were slain in the front. I say these are probably just having a good time after hearing the sermon, want to rest on the floor for a while. But that day, I had no control over my body. Um, it was hot and the sensation was really strong. And I fell just on my back and I was down there for a while. And when I woke, when I woke up, I just felt a sense of lightness. A few months later, I had a call from the extended family's extended relative family and, and we were told that this extended family has passed away. And I was the driver that drove the whole family down to Singapore. And I remember my question to myself was, have I truly forgiven her? And the coffin was placed here in Singapore. They live in a HDB flat. They have moved out from the Chinatown shop lot. And mom went, dad went, sister went, Veron went, and I was the last one. Because I did not know whether I would face her with hatred and anger or with forgiveness. But when I stood before the coffin, and I will never forget that day because in my mind, what came to me was, she does not know the Lord. That was all it came to me. And I knew at that point in time, God has truly healed me and delivered me. I do not know how to express the fact that after so many years, only at the age of 26 years old, I could let go everything that I faced when I was 7 years old. All I can say is that God is a very loving and amazing God. And with that, I want to give you this scripture. It's found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. I didn't expect the lighting here to be a little dim. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, 46, so neither here nor there. You need glasses, don't need glasses, that kind of situation. Yeah? Um, I'll try. Yeah? If you are there, please go to the verse. Um, it's a verse that was released unto me um, when I was a very young Christian. And it's a beautiful promise that the Lord gave me. It was found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I received this when I was just a two-year-old Christian. And this was given to me. At that point in time, after being delivered of my past hurts, and I had this scripture, I said to the Lord, me leading people into the promised land, me being prosperous and successful, please understand, I only got to see my parents twice a year. I only hang out with my brother and my sister twice a year for 10 years of my life. I was practically left alone in that rented shop lot. My only weekend entertainment was looking out of the window into the big main road to look at number plates. So today, don't cross my path. I'll remember your number plate. I was not allowed to attend sports day. I was not allowed to go out with friends. I only get two school shirts in a week of five days. I was a smelly kid that you don't want to sit with, nor eat with, or nor play with at recess. But this was given to me. Cell gave me an identity. Cell gave me a purpose. Cell was a family next to my bloodline family. It was difficult to forgive my parents even though they had meant well for me. I never understood why I had to leave the family to go to Singapore. My sister came later. She had the wonderful treatment for this extended family while I had that treatment. So she had business class and I had cargo. But I did not know that my parents had hurt along the way as well until I was much older when we talked about it. So similarly, it was a very painful journey for them. I just want to share with you a couple of amazing support that I've had from the cell over the years. This happened in 2004 when we had to admit Amber, which is sitting there right now, so beautiful, so grown up with a boyfriend. I thought I would be the hero for life, but it doesn't work that way, guys. Um, and in that year, she couldn't breathe very well. So we checked her in and especially said we need to put her and observe her. And as you remember, on the first night, um, Ron said, it's late, please take Emma home, um, take the helper Grace with you. And I drove back to Kota Kumuning. On the way back, she called me and my wife cried. By the way, my wife does not cry. She's an amazing woman. She's very strong. She only cries when onions, um, you know, the, the stuff get into your eyes when she doesn't wear contact lens. That's the truth. She's an amazing woman. Because of her, I'm where I am. And she cried and said that the doctor said that Amber has deteriorated very seriously. She's going to be admitted to ICU. The medication is not working. I sped back to Kota Komuning, put down Emma and the helper, and I drove back. I had a second-hand Padana. I could only go at 140 and I could feel the engine shaking. And I had this conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, I know you are a good, good God. You're an amazing God. But if ever, if ever, for whatever reason, there's a need to have exchange of life, let her live and you take me. But I know God doesn't do things like this, but I was a young Christian. I said, let her live. And I got to the hospital and you know what? Specialists don't wait for you in the room, but she waited and she explained the situation to me. If the next medication does not work, I do not know what, would, what we will do, um, but that was the situation. And guess what? SGMC wanted to charge the one 
person's room because Stan Chart was paying for it. At the same time, they said that I'm going to charge you for ICU. You have to get out of this one room. I told them there's no way I'm going to pack this and not go with my child to ICU. And I called out my cell leader then, Kenneth. I said, Ken, it's 11.30. I'm very sorry for disturbing you, but it's a situation that I need you to come and help me pack my stuff while Veron and I go to the ICU. Um, I didn't want to call my, my parents, nor my in-laws, nor anybody else because they're a bit further and I don't really want them to worry. And he came at 12 midnight together with a couple more, my assistant cell leader then, Jeannie and Stevie, and they stayed with me till 3 a.m. It was a tough night. Didn't sleep much. The first thing I got up in the morning was to call Veron. I said, dear, how's Amber? Veron said she made it. She made it through the night. She had wires all over her place. ICU is not a pleasant place. And we knew that God has been God again. What happened in the next one, two weeks was pastor came, cell member came, prayers, encouragement, support. I do not know if without the cell, on the things that we go through, how would it be? We had another scare just very shortly after that the next year, and that was Ian. For whatever reason, he couldn't walk. And the pediatrician was very quick to pick up that perhaps certain virus had hit him. And we found out that his heart and his liver had a virus. And Dr. Gunn was very nice. Dr. Gunn, you are here. I can see you. You were very accessible to give me your diagnostic and advice. And it was so bad that the pediatrician said this, I'll give you my mobile number. Just call me if anything happens. You and I know that pediatricians are not paid to give mobile numbers. We didn't pay her a lot, but that was that serious. In that two weeks, prayers after prayers, you see a little boy at four to five years old being connected to all those stuff. It is not easy to go through, even with the support of your lovely family. You see what happens then? My own immediate bloodline family, not all of them were in Christ. Not all of them knew the Lord then. And they could not understand the faith and the desire. And therefore, only the cell family could fulfill that and understand the power of prayer and the power of encouragement. I want to say this to Emma. Thank you for giving mom and I a break from all these ICU and severe conditions. You had your share of holiday visits, compliments of Stand Chart, Alliance Bank, and so on and so forth. But thank God you give us a little break. Lastly, I want to share this. This year, I started the year with three eye surgeries. I never expected that. It was supposed to be a year of uh, amazing progress, amazing change. But in the month of January and February, I had to go for three eye surgeries in the span of two to three weeks, emergency situation. I had an injured knee. I had a shoulder that just went cold for whatever reason. I had questions to the Lord, but I did not doubt the Lord, nor was I down, nor disappointed. To admit, I was slightly discouraged on what's going on. Because I'm a leadership coach, I need to use my eyes when I work with my clients. When I go in the classroom, they need to engage with me. I need to prepare materials. Without ability to look at phones and computers, that means no business. No business means no income. No income means no food on the table. And throughout this time, instead of me going out, 
my leaders visited me, they ministered to me, my cell members supported and encouraged me. So when I went to cell for that few months, I was the one that was just being poured into and not giving at all. But in the month of April, without me doing anything, no marketing, God gave us six new assignments from existing client and new client. I cannot explain it. This year has been the most amazing year with the Lord in terms of the marketplace work. God is amazing. God is amazing. I want to share a portion of Scripture that's been very instrumental through these last few years, which is found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 to 13. All of us know this Scripture very well, but there's one part of it that I want to emphasize that may not have been read as much or been spoken as much, and that is found in verse 13. So in verse 11, in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That was the last part. If you will seek me and find, you will find me with all your heart. I'm going to end by telling you what's happening to my life now. I made sure that um, I will not miss it out and therefore I've typed it out. All my family members, the bloodline family members have received the Lord. We have full salvation in the family. We have reconciled. I enjoy the times I have with my dad and mom. I thank God at 78 and 77, they are still around for me to have conversations. I've been privileged to serve the cell for 18 years. And God willing, I'll continue to serve for a long, long time and been honoured to be on a board for eight years. Who would have thought a kid that have gone through that would have that kind of privilege? Today, I have left a 20-year of banking career where, I, where the Lord has positioned me from a management trainee to a director level and made me into a leadership coach. Today, I coach CEOs, senior business executives, business owners of multinationals, large organisations, where I work with them on their lives, marriages, families, business performance, and everything and everything else. I never thought for one moment with every conversation I work with my client and coachee that I will be the guy that the Lord will choose to do what I do. My family only priority in life is to be the center of the Lord's will, to grow in His character, faithfulness, and obedience as we receive His grace and provision. Cell is my second family, next to our bloodline family, equal importance. And because life is challenging, God has given us a cell support group for us to have a fulfilling and purposeful life. With that, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads as I invite the worship team to come up. I ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to share just a story or do you want me to also initiate what you wanted to do? And I told the Lord, I'm not a professional minister. I don't have PowerPoint slides. I don't make very good jokes. 
I'm just here to share what you have done in my life. And the Lord say, there's one group of people I want you to tell them. And I'm just going to obey the Lord. I'm going to tell you what the Lord wants me to tell you. The Lord is saying, just as Donald has received his inner healing and deliverance, every one of you sitting right here can receive the same inner healing and deliverance. Every deep hurt that you have had, be it from you may be an adult sitting here, you're 60, 70 years old, but you have been hurt before by your parents. You have been hurt before by people. You have been a victim of sexual assault and molestation. You have been betrayed by business partners. And if you are a child, your parents have hurt you for whatever reasons. The Lord says, today, I want you to receive your inner healing and deliverance. Today, I want to give you the fullness of being my son and daughter. The two words that the Lord is giving to you is, there is joy and there is living hope. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you have a dato in front or you does not have. It doesn't even matter whether you are, whether you are known or not known, what car you drive, it does not matter. Do not miss out on the fullness of living in the Lord. Do not be hurt anymore. Do not be disappointed anymore. But today, receive what the Lord has always intended to give. And if you are the person with all eyes closed, please, nobody looking around, I just want you to respond to the Holy Spirit. If throughout that sharing, you could associate with the sharing, and you know today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I'm just going to put your hands, I'm just going to ask you to put your hands up and acknowledge it with the Lord. Not with me, but with the Lord. Just put your hands up and acknowledge it with the Lord. If you are the one that the Lord is calling out to this morning to be healed, not physically only, but inner healing. Can I invite all, to, all of you to stand, please? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, I'm just going to pray a short prayer. And Father, that you will bring out whoever you want to bring out to the front. That there will be no consciousness. Because Lord, we know that life can change with one message one sermon and one sharing. Just like my life was changed with one visiting pastor sharing about unforgiveness and inner healing and that changed my life. So we're just going to open the altar right now. The pastors and leaders are available and all we're going to do is just pray a prayer on you. You don't even need to tell us what your circumstances and what your situation is. So as we sing the song, that's going to be led by the worship team. I'm just going to ask you to come out. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.